First of all, I want to tell you guys how proud I am of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for how hard you've worked. You've gone through a lot and all this adversity. And I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of you. Thank you for representing us so well. But tonight is about another guy. His first win. Yeah. Welcome to the Gold Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Boomer. Well, I'm just excited we're actually able to get this uh, podcast off at a decent hour. I thought the game might still be going when we tried to do this at the rate it was, rate it was trending that day. So. <laughs> also with the Redcast, Rob. Well, you know, I just, I just want to say I sat down with Honky. He's missed a few shows. Wanted to let him know I'd do it again. You know, I mean, I'm going to evaluate him every single time he comes on the show. And if he's going to miss a show, I'm going to let him know he's going to miss the show. And I do it again because that's just the kind of person I am. It's all about consistency. And that's, that's exactly how I'm going to treat Honky. I'm not going to treat him <laughs> any different than any other player on this team. <laughs> Rob, I'm going to serve uh, as your translator to anybody who doesn't watch uh, the presser as closely as you. You're referring to uh, – Mickey Joseph and how he handled the uh, the Casey Thompson benching. I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more on that, on how it impacted the game. Uh, but as you mentioned, we are with Honky. Yeah, Urban Meyer once said, uh, you win nine to ten games when you block a punt. Well, he was right again. And no, that's not an endorsement of him or any other uh, head coach out there. Hashtag Team Mickey. All right. Well, Honky's uh, a very – Happy that we got a, a victory uh, against Indiana, 35-21. It was tied in the fourth quarter, and we pulled away with a couple of key plays. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we we made the plays when we needed to, to to actually get a victory there at home on homecoming. And um, we'll break that down and talk a little about Rutgers, talk coaching search, and a bunch of other stuff. Honky, you want to uh, take care of some business with uh, our sponsors first? Sure. Uh, I guess before we even do the sponsors, I, I want to show this one here and it's rum chuckle, Dave. I, I wouldn't call them a sponsor yet, but they sent us a whole bunch of free stuff, including free stuff is nice, including rum chuckle. Yes. Any, uh, alcohol brand out there that likes to send us free stuff, we will gladly put your sign up for the show and, uh, take a little bit of here. Let me see how I can. Because you couldn't open that before the show, honky, right? Like, well, you should have been. Just... Well, that's to. just not good podcasting, Rob. That's Bobby. not good podcasting. I, I, I'll do this after uh, – I'm going to open this up here in a second after this, and then we'll pour it. Um, <laughs> would, would you like me to do the uh, – the, Yeah, the, why, don't the you do the, uh, why don't you do the thing, Rob, and then uh, we'll do we'll, – I'll do, I'll do the thing. So, you do the thing uh, let's see here. I got to – now I got to go and find the sponsors and all that other thing. Here we go. Okay. First of all, Redcasters, I'd like to uh, remind you to uh, – oh, well, here. We'll start with Alumni Hall. They have two locations in Lincoln. One is downtown. The other is at South Point Pavilion. They have all of your licensed Husker gear, and they 
love to send out their hula shirts to me and i love to wear them uh you can see them at www.alumnihall.com backslash nebraska dash corn huskers to get all of your licensed gear especially the adidas sideline line um i am wearing their hat tonight as well as a shirt here because this weekend I will not be allowed to wear any Husker gear. And we can get to that later at the game that I will be at in New Jersey. Also, don't forget to uh, subscribe and to hail varsity. You can go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter promo code Redcast, And I'll show you guys here real quick. I just got my new hail varsity in the mail and you might want to get it because it might be a collector's edition. It'll be the very last Nebraska magazine with Scott Frost on the cover. So it said, so it went right on the front. So you never know. I'm going to keep this in my big box of uh, Husker collectible stuff. And that. also, are you looking for a job? You can go to jobs at fsc.com. It's a great environment to work in. Cutting edge technology. Uh, you never are customer facing. You can dress however you want, including wearing your alumni hall hula shirt. Go to jobs at fsc.com and uh apply and then a big shout out to um shane and laura over at smack and smooch they're great for all of our red cast gear they they make up our t-shirts stickers koozies um god i'm trying to they make custom t-shirts so you've seen some of my red cast breaking through with the kool-aid jar on there and uh, they do such a great job at making all of that and if you come up with your own idea they'd be happy to make a shirt for you much like this hashtag war daddy up with the corn uh flexing on the front so Hit them up on, on uh, I guess it'd be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and, and they'd be more than happy to set you up with your com- with your company, your family, your union, anything that, you know, you know, your son's getting out of jail. I don't know, some kind of T-shirt or something that you can, you know, make for make for any occasion. And I did get the, uh, the, the top off. So in, in my uh, rum chuckle or chuckle rum shot glass. got a nice fruity smell to it no it's very good i mean i think the i think the ladies will definitely like this it's a fruity smell you can tear the so it's like a fruit fruited rum is that fair to say Ronnie? yeah will you, you be, be making any rum and cokes with that or i'll roman be making cokes. roman cokes with roman it. cokes yes roman cokes and they even have like uh, little jokes on the front of it that there's a qr code for a joke and i think that's all part of the chuckle part so uh, very good stuff. I am. I they gave the hat too, although I'm going to switch and show a little love to the black shirts based off what they did last weekend. But uh, yeah, it's a, a, been a lot of fun. We want to thank the people there, the good people at uh, Rum Chuckle. They're sending all you guys out in Colorado. You must be a day behind us, so you'll be getting yours uh, tomorrow. But uh, ooh, that's warm going down, by the way. Yeah, good <laughs> Well, speaking of black shirts too, Honky, they didn't. Uh, they they asked Mickey today in the press conference if he handed out any black shirts after the game, and it was immediately just looked at the camera and said, "No." <laughs> I mean, that was I. This is why I love this guy. All right, I don't know what mm-hmm. we're getting into yet. I know Dave, you're the host. You're you're leading this this rodeo, but like, man, I I seriously look forward to it. When I saw he was broadcasting, like the way that he leads the press conference is very straightforward. He is sincere. He is. A hard ass. Oh, I only said ass once. Oh, that's twice. Right. And yeah, so I mean, it is. Uh, it, it's just been fantastic watching him coach. 
I, you can roll your eyes all you want to me, Dave. I saw that, but the, uh, just the, it's, it's just the pressure. He's not actually coaching during the press conference, just speaking to the media. Well, so. I mean, his coaching this week was fantastic too. Don't get me wrong. It's almost like a learning. Well, know, let's, he can, let's, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, yeah, let's get into that a little bit. Let's walk, walk through the game a little bit. Uh, honky, I know you watched it. Um, um, across the street from the stadium uh, because yeah. you actually gave away your tickets to mm-hmm. a couple of broadcast listeners. So that's, that's awesome. Um, but it, it worked. Apparently you should do this again because we did actually come out with 35, 21 victory. Um, you know, I mean, I think it could have been more than that. There was a couple opportunities in the first half. We were up by 14 points there and kind of let them back in, in the uh, end of the, the first half with uh, the, the, um, the, the two drives they got. And, and honestly, the second drive kind of seemed to be a result of um, some, some dumb penalties on the offensive side that forced us into a putting situation. Opposed to the maybe... There's a few, I think, I, I, I think I lost count because there were so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the rest finally ran out of, uh, you know, uh, laundry because they got to 23, I believe, between the two teams, somewhere around midway through the fourth, and they stopped throwing them because suddenly I thought we were going to get to 30 at some point. <laughs> um, but uh, and then the score was third, right, Honk? And then uh, in the fourth, uh, we um, got a, a big play. Uh, Trey Palmer got deep, and Casey let it out and um, hit him in stride, and then a really great drive to kind of cap things off. Yeah, it was it was far from a perfect game, and and as you know, Mickey said going into halftime when he talked to the sideline reporter, he's, he's like, you know, we didn't play a very smart first half, but yet, mm-hmm. I mean, we could have said that for the last five years. It was how do you finish, and we finished the game strong, and that's really, I mean, gosh, I'm trying to think of the last time where I, where we've been in a close game like that against a you know a an FBS team and finished the way that we finished. That was really impressive. Uh, I think almost like Rutgers a couple of years ago. Yeah, and honestly, yeah, and and didn't we didn't make gigantic, huge blunder mistakes? That, you know that uh, that kept him in. I mean, that was right. And look, I'm not. I don't want to make Indiana into more than what Indiana is either. But it, that it doesn't matter right now. It's a moot point. We needed a victory bigger in life, and uh, it really it's amazing what one win can do. It can it can give confidence. We saw at the beginning of the the show here the post game in the locker room with Trev and the team and, and how the team rallies around Mickey. There's just something I know I'm team Mickey, as I said earlier, but there's something with how this team is rallying around this coach. This isn't like a normal, it doesn't feel like a normal interim coach to me. Well, it isn't at least at Nebraska. Usually an interim is there for one or two games, maybe get you through a bowl game or finishes the season. This guy's got three fourths of the season to, to go on his own. He's here to fix issues. And if he can fix the issues, if he can, you know, he has a legitimate shot at, at being the guy. You know, one yeah, thing, that you know, said, I'm sorry, Dave, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say one thing he said in the press conference too, which I really liked about, about how he said this was, he said, you know, the coaching part for him is still a learning curve as well. And he said, looking back at the tape on that last drive before that last drive in the second quarter, he should have ran the ball more. Like they should have ran the ball more and controlled the clock better. And that's something that he has to get better at. And I love that accountability from him, right? Like he didn't try to lay the blame on anyone else. He didn't try to say, oh, well, we shouldn't have got those penalties. What he said was, I should have game planned that better. I should have ran the ball more on that and not given them the ball back at the end to allow them to score. And that's the sort of accountability that like we haven't seen for the last five years. So, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's, yeah, I, I, that, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that, Rob. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, you know, a couple, you know, 
couple of the plays were not his fault either, though. And that actually, I don't think it was the, the, the run pass ratio I had the problem with. It was just, just not understanding time or place there. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I mean, it, uh, at least a second um, penalty uh, was a difficult call, but Boomer uh, Honky alluded to this at, at the beginning, but I mean, we actually blocked a punt for a touchdown. Yeah. I, Kind of surprised. I, I didn't think we that was allowed anymore. Just looking back at Nebraska history, it had it had been quite quite some time. I think wasn't it two thousand eight? I believe was the. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, what I'd heard the last time we'd blocked a punt for a for a, for a score, and that's just kind of insane. That was that was a long time ago for our younger listeners. That yeah, that's yeah, yeah. But hey, it's what you what you need finally. I mean, special teams. It was emphasized, and they were actually able to do something this week. So that was good. Yeah, we've yeah. had two punt returns. One went for like 20 yards and one went for eight or nine, which I know that didn't sound like crazy numbers, but for us, that was crazy numbers. I mean, yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah, yeah you know. no, I agree. I mean, those seemed like Trey Palmer had kind of gotten the green light there and mm-hmm. um, was like, hey, let's let's make something happen. So, mm-hmm. And the last awesome. punt block that we had would have been against Penn State in the COVID year, if I remember right, with the McCaffrey game that we actually won. Yeah, or was it Purdue? I, I can't remember. It's one of the, but we won it, which goes back to Urban's point about nine out of ten times. I remember telling that to Dave Bar two over the offseason. He's like, "Nah, no way that that stack could possibly be right." But Urban said it, and I'll just say, anytime you block a punt, it seems like that's a good sign. And so, an Urban stat, it's just block punt. It's not block punt for touchdown. Correct. correct. That's yeah, that's just, the bonus. Once you do that, I mean, you're definitely getting. Mm. Three seven. There. I was almost going to tweet something out after the block punt, and I'm like, no way, I'm jinxing any of that. Just, uh, I'll just keep that one up here. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning into the 10th annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Now back to our show. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. Indiana was one game now. The sign of a good team is who can move forward and get to the next one. We have a 24-hour rule, so it's 24 hours, and now we're on to Rutgers. The schedule is going to be accelerated because we're going to, you know, we got to move some days up because we're going to leave on um, Thursday. We're going to leave Thursday. Usually you leave on Friday, so everything has to be accelerated, so everything's going to be pushed up a day before it's practice. So. so there we go. I mean, we are talking about a Friday night game here. Uh, Rob, you're going to be out there in, in Rutgers, which is – New Brunswick and Piscataway, right? Or is it? It's both. Is that right, it's Boomer? In, I think the fields in Piscataway, right? That... I think that's it. I think the campus is mainly in New Brunswick. One's a township and one's a one's a village. I don't know. I mean, New Jersey, you cross the street and you're in a new city or new town or something like that. My sister lives out there for Redcasters, and I haven't heard me talk about it before. Um, she lives in Westfield, New Jersey. So I'll be going out there on Wednesday. Um, Thursday, I'm going to be spending the day in the city, uh, meeting up with some uh, Husker friends, and then um, I'm all actually uh, t- 
Tyler, a friend of the show, is uh, going to be there for the game, and and him and I are going to meet up. I hopefully for lunch or something. Tyler, I'm Kai. not even. And then and then not. To, I won't go into this too far, Dave, but I might even make the way over because I have some friends who have a booth at the New York City Comic Con, so I might make my way over there for a few hours. And then um, on Friday, I am going to head over to the field early, and I'll be meeting up with a couple of our uh, fellow Herdat slash Hale Varsity. Um, you know, awesome. comrades, and they are going to be bringing me my press pass, which I believe it's a photo pass because that's what I put in for. Nothing was made super clear to me. Hopefully it is because if it is, I'm going to try to bring the Redcasters some great content that most people don't get. I'm going to try to bring you like touchdowns live. I'm going to try to send out reels on Twitter nice. like immediately mm. of like because I'm going to set myself up in the Huskers end zone, I think, for each half. that That's my goal. All right. So don't don't take my word for it because if if it's not a photo pass, I can't do that. But I'm going to do my best to do my duty for God and my country. Oh, that's my uh, voice. Um, no, no, no. So, so Redcasters, Redcasters, Red follow Redcast Rob at Redcast Rob. You can see his handle down there on Twitter. Be following him. We'll retweet it from the Redcast too during that night. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's hopefully you he can get down there on the sideline. Well, I'm, I'm really excited. On TV. I mean, you know, you, you sometimes sometimes uh, you know you piss in the wind, and it comes back wine. So I mean. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's uh, that's uh, that's oh a, my god, <laughs> you know, a, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I did, I filled deep out, cut I, filled there out by Rob. I filled out the media pass and it came back and it was approved. And I, I was like, that's okay, because guess, we are a I'm legitimate going. news source for all we things are. Husker football, Rob. That's that is we why. Are. I mean, you've earned that press pass. I'm well, I'm hockey, really excited for it though. I really am. So yeah, it's cool. absolutely right. We're, we're excited to see what you can uh, bring back for us. Hopefully that includes a victory, right? Yes. Oh um, man. That would be my first, uh, first Husker victory in person. That, that, that will be a, quite the stat. And that means we would win back to back, uh, not only back to back games, back to back conference games in hockey. I mean, I think Mickey talked about this a little bit, you know, that's what we really need to start doing here to see if we can see mm -hmm. some, Real progress um, with this this program, and we are um, tied for first place in the West, at one and one. Right? <laughs> Everybody is one and one apparently. That's mm -hmm. right. Um, and there's a, a wide open West thanks to uh, Wisconsin seeming to be falling apart at the seams. Uh, Illinois looking uh, better, but somehow losing to that Indiana team that we just beat, and uh, Purdue uh, beating beating Minnesota. So it's it's wide open. And um, only knows where it's it's going to go, but um, you know I think you have some tweets here about our depth chart. You want to show that, Honk? Yeah, I, I think this is a good one from uh, Brady Oltman with uh, Hill Varsity. Uh, depth chart changes. Uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Week, Malcolm Herzog, is now listed or with Tommy Hill at cornerback, uh, which is the number one beside Quinton Newsom. Then also Ramir Johnson listed third on running back. And at or at second wide receiver with Brody Belt behind Trey Palmer, you know more important to me, and we'll get into this probably a little bit with with uh, scoring explosion and throwing the bones specifically on offense and defense. But just in general, you started to see more depth, and something that we thought was going to happen with the coaching changes and everything is that young guys are probably going to start getting some chances. And Herzog was a great example of that. You know, uh, I know when he picked it up and ran in the end zone, a lot of us were like, who the heck is that? Oh, oh yeah. The, you know, Hartsog. Okay. And yeah. then you look him up and it's like, yeah, that's the true freshman from Mississippi. That's not a, he didn't red shirt last year. You know, he's, he's brand new and guys getting a chance. You, you'd mentioned Dave, the offensive line, you know, four guys, Piper and Lutovsky and Banks and, and Hunter Anthony all getting probably their most snaps of the season. 
and yeah, uh, right. and the O line looking pretty good at times. And so, no matter what unit you looked at, it, it's there's there's a lot of players, and and we're gonna, you know, if you're not performing, like Mickey was kind of saying, like Rob was saying with me at the beginning, if you're not performing, you're out. You know, we'll we'll get the next guy up, and and we're starting to see that right now. I, I was just I was really impressed overall with just I thought what was the effort of the team because that was probably my biggest concern coming out of Oklahoma. The first three games, my concern was we look lost, especially on defense. That's coaching. The Oklahoma game was I I was disappointed with the effort, and that gave me bad vibes back to 2017 Nebraska, where where if effort's an issue, that's a problem. What I like about Mickey and Bill Bush and these guys being in charge right now is. Uh, that's not going to be an issue for those guys. Those guys, they, they, they lead positively. They, they lead by example. Effort is going to be there. And I saw great effort the other night. That, that made me really proud of, of the team. You know, mistakes aside, penalties aside, the many, many penalties aside, um, I saw a lot of effort out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, defensively in particular, they played a lot better. Um, I don't know, Rob or Boomer, if you saw anything out there, it seems like they simplified the schemes and um, played a lot more looser. And I saw that they also had they cut down their their missed tackles. I think they only had maybe six yeah. or seven missed tackles. Yeah, and I think this was the perfect game to try to do those sorts of things where you wanted to get new players in and you know play more man type of coverage on that. Because um, Indiana, they were missing their top two wide receivers and they didn't have a whole lot of other stirring weapons out there that were going to, you know, scare anybody. So this is a perfect chance <laughs> for, for our defense to get out there and, and play man-to-man against a team like that and actually play more aggressive when it comes to that because, you know, there's not as big of a chance things blow up on you. And that's a good way to start building a little confidence in your defense and what you can do and see some of those other players that can get out there and play. So this is probably the ideal game to play coming off a of bye week with a, with a slightly, you know, depleted opponent. And it worked out perfectly as far as, you know, the defense goes and the confidence builder it is. Yeah. You know, they had, were missing their top two wide receivers. Um, but, you know, as we go forward, um, I don't think Rutgers offense scares me all that much. Nope. Obviously, Iowa's offense doesn't scare you that much. Wisconsin doesn't look like they they have. I mean, and and they only had Wisconsin only had two yards rushing. Yeah, that's insane. Isn't it? Yeah. It's insane, right? And then they just don't have any wideouts, and Mertz is, is awful. So terrible. Yeah. It was not a good weekend for Wisconsin running backs, was it, Dave? Right. No, it wasn't. And then and then you look at Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota has Autumn Bell out. And Mo Ibrahim is, is is banged up and didn't play that in that game. That game was against Purdue was 10-10, and Purdue actually pulled away in the last six minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm congrats to Purdue for getting that road win. But everybody's suddenly saying Purdue is now the the you know in the clubhouse leading the Big Ten West. I'm like, really? Off of that performance? I mean, come on, guys. It's wide open. I have no idea who's going to win this thing. Um, and why not us? Means, yeah, why not us? And, and just at least us, so. Why not win more games, right? Yeah, so that's, that's what I need is more cooling. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, hey, I Dave, I, 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 I'm sorry, Honky. I wanted to make two points about the about um, Indiana game too. Is that uh, one? It goes back to the conversation that we had with Coach Osborne, where he was talking about what made Nebraska football great when he was a coach was that it was never about 
um, you know, just the guys that were starting, there was always depth to the team, right? Like there was, there was always guys that were pushing the guys up front to make them better. And that's kind of what this game felt like was because you had no idea, like, Hey, you know what, if you weren't performing before this, you were going to play today. And we saw guys playing that didn't always get a lot of playing time that showed up for this game. And regardless of like, we can throw all like the PFF stats and the rankings and all that other crap out of there. Cause we won. And these guys came out there. They gave a great effort. One thing that we saw, and I think I threw it up there. Somebody commented, we only missed six tackles the entire game, which is huge. These guys were knocking guys down because that's the big thing about the defense. And I read, I read an article on it saying that a lot of Nebraska's defense was based off of like the guy that should make the tackle needs to make the tackle. Otherwise there was other guys that like were 10 yards behind the play. Right. And so it looked like now we got the guy who needed to make the tackle not only was getting there, but if he didn't make the tackle initially, there was at least three or four guys that were swarming him. And so that, and that's a huge thing, the difference that I saw this game, especially in the first like three or four series that I was keeping an eye out for that, that really seemed like it made a difference. And, you know, the other part was special teams, special teams, you know, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but man, let me tell you, it just felt like the entire thing was just more effort from every single like aspect of special teams. We even had returns. We averaged 12 yards or 12 yards a, a punt, right, on our returns, which is something. When's the last time Nebraska even averaged more than like two yards? So huge. Yeah, zero pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So 12 yards a punt we averaged on a return. That's fantastic. I'm telling you, Palmer's going to return one this season. Watch. Oh, wow. I like her. I yeah. like that. All right, Hunk. Uh, do we want to talk a little bit more about the head coaching search, or do you want to do the recruiting tweets first? Do you uh, let's let's do the head coaching search, and then uh, let's talk okay. a little bit about the the recruiting, and then we can get into the offense and defense. First of all, can you put that uh, graphic back up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if everybody's watching this on YouTube or or whatnot, you have to check out this uh, graphic uh, that uh, Swobes did for us. It's a really good. Um, uh, likeness of of Trev in a very um, studious kind of pondering image, um, making a, a, an important decision here. So hats off to Swobes for that that really great graphic. Um, anyway, uh, so I mean, we had uh, a lot of a lot of the coaches that we have been interested in or have talked about in our fantasy football draft. Honky, you have a great team, by the way. I mean, you've got <laughs> just a. a murderer's row of potential coaching candidates there um thanks but, thanks for the picks guys somehow Dave, I, I either lost track of yours or you got penalized for tampering and lost a few draft picks so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what i that's what i wrote down for you anyway so oh see uh, i would have taken craig Bull i wasn't for the the yet so yeah i did take craig Bull for the altitude in the big 10 you guys screwed up not getting them for me all right well, we still have more. We can have more rounds of this. See, the, the key is that we get the name right. I want to be able to say that when the name is selected, one of us has that coach on our team. And then we can be like, well, see, we told you. Uh, we talked about that. Guys. Well, Boomer, Boomer, who has Mickey on it? Oh, that Mickey? would be me with the very first oh, yeah, pick. Bring, bring that the, back up the draft, there. So. You got, oh, you got him with the first pick of the draft? That yes. was hey, Okay, now I respect that. That's good. I'm glad Mickey was the first pick. That's, <laughs> I like how you make my, my worst possible picks my first possible picks up there. Like, you know, like, like, I, picked Sean, down. I, like I, I, like I picked Sean Payton first or something, right? Like, 
So oh, I got you freeze. Yeah, younger. <laughs> I got you freeze. You don't have Lance Leipold. Yeah, you I have, have Lance, Lance Lacey, Lacey Leipold. Ooh, Lacey Leipold. That's that's his sister. <laughs> She's also quite skilled in offensive game planning. Well, so. what's funny too is that you've got Hugh Freeze on there, and I didn't realize until I don't even know what what I was paying attention to. I didn't realize why Hugh Freeze got fired from Old Miss, and then I saw an article on it today, and I was just like, oh, that's perfect. He's on Hockey's list. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> God bless the cell. SEC. Yep. SEC. Well, we had uh, Lance. Lance I pulled going 5-0 and now. Uh, Kansas mm-hmm. ranked for the first time since, when was this? 2008 again, probably? It's probably. Like a running, yeah, it seems about running, school, yeah. date for us. And they actually have ESPN game day coming to Lawrence uh, with uh, TCU in town. So, Is he also uh, undefeated, Dave, if I remember right? So, yes, they are. They are. Who predicted that um, to start the season? Did anyone pick undefeated Kansas and undefeated TCU? Squaring off and out. Yeah. Yeah. With game day. Game day. Yeah. Go yeah. figure, right? I mean, that's the beauty of uh, college football and the regular season. There's no doubt about that. Um, but an important one for Leipold, Matt Campbell with another loss. It was, it was a very competitive game, obviously. Um, Baylor won, right, if I remember right. Um, no, Baylor lost. No, Baylor lost. Oh, yeah. Baylor lost. Yeah, right. Yeah, Oklahoma State. State. Yeah, yeah. So and now Iowa maybe State. Maybe Gundy's a dark horse. You know. And Iowa State with with uh, Campbell there. He has a big game this weekend in Ames against K State and a yeah. resurgent K State team with uh, Martinez playing quite well in an offense that really suits him well. I got to give yeah. the Wildcats a lot of credit. I love what they're doing with them. There's a lot of things they're doing with them. I wish we would have done with them, but. That's a yeah, yeah. They've had we reduced reduced the workload on him quite a bit, especially in games that they didn't need him. And then when they really did need him against Oklahoma, he you know put together a, a, the type of game winning drive. You're right, you know. So um, yeah, K State. Chris Kleiman was doing a great job down there. Um, Wisconsin, on the other hand, uh, gets blown out by Illinois at home. Uh, maybe someone who should be on that that list, and I think it is at least in our pool of candidates, is Brett Bielema. Um, he is uh, proving that Wisconsin was not just a system um, head coach and that the Arkansas um, kind of debacle that, that he had down there for several years uh, isn't really indicative of uh, what he can do in the Big Ten because he's got Illinois right in the right spot right now. They're playing really well, and they dominated that game versus uh, Wisconsin so much that uh, current – now former head coach of Wisconsin, Paul Christ – uh, was let go on Sunday, um, and that's only after five games. Uh, Honky, when you heard that, um, that had to come to. And now there's some some rumblings the week before that something like this could happen. I was like, really? They're really going to do this? Uh, but sure enough, um, getting blown out at home and only having two rushing yards um, apparently is not enough for Wisconsin, and they have fired a, um, a head coach with I think 67 wins. Yeah, you look at his record. Huskies posted a tweet of all of his his records, and minus the the four and three season of of COVID that they had. I mean, there's a whole lot of there's a thirteen and one. There's you know eleven and threes. I, I think last year they yep. were like nine and four. But you know, and of course, Huskies posted something along the lines of you know, yeah, you know, who would do that? Who would fire a coach that's won nothing but nine games every year? And then some of the the responses were hilarious, saying, "Well, that you know." What about Nebraska? It's like, yeah, joke. Uh, sar- and, sarcasm and, and Twitter. It's just, yeah, just they don't quite get it right. Um, yeah. But but this is a it's a it just feels different. Um, the way that 
this is the first time it's ever happened in Nebraska at this time in the year, but now you're seeing this more and more. Colorado did it a week or so after their AD came out and you know, supported their their head coach. Um, it, most of these ones seem like they were no-brainer. You had to do it. Uh, Colorado's so bad. Frost, it got to be so bad it became a no-brainer. But, like, yeah, with, with Chris, it, it feels like, I mean, the first opportunity, there was no, like, you know, work your way through it. He, he was just, he was done and they, they wanted him gone. Now maybe there's pressure with Leonard to, to try to keep him. And this is a way to do it. I don't know since he's showing up on a lot of people's early list. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. God, Dave, I keep doing that. I'm so sorry, man. I, I, I just, the host so, directs traffic, Rob, and I'm going to point to you right now. Go for it. My friend. Okay, great. Perfect. So, so I, I host a trivia night every single Sunday night. I've been doing it for like nine years now. And it's cool because I get to meet a lot of people. And some of the people that I met last night here in town are from Wisconsin. You're right, Boomer Manners. Um, but so I was talking with them because they're big Badger fans or Green Bay fans or they're Badger fans. And I was asking them how they felt about it. And one of the things that they said was they think, you know, we'll talk Wisconsin conspiracy. They think that the reason why they fired Chris now is because they were afraid that Leonard might be swooped up by another team like Nebraska. And they were looking long term saying like, okay, well, he's interim now, but don't be surprised, you know, if he comes in there and coaches well this year um, that he basically gets, I don't know, would it, would it be comparable to like an NFL extension or I, I don't know how you would, you, you, know, you would just get hired as the head, you just get hired as the head the coach right then and there. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. So they think that that's kind of been the long-term plan because a lot of, I guess, I don't know if it's the Wisconsin message boards or Wisconsin Twitter. Cause I don't follow any of that. Um, that's kind of, you like don't follow the Wisconsin message boards, Rob, where is your college football fandom? I don't understand what you're doing. I'm trying well, we Dave. put him in I'm charge trying. of following the Rutgers message boards. Dave. Yeah. I'm following oh, the Rutgers message board. okay. yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's an interesting theory, I suppose, you know, but, um, you know, trying to basically lock down Leonard, they fired Chris and spent, I think they negotiated down to 11 million on the buyout. What's interesting to me, though, is the same thing that's going to happen with Leonard essentially is kind of the same thing with, with Joseph. Now they have a they have a, a runway of being an interim, you know, eight games, seven games, whatever it's going to be. You know, in Joseph's case, we're talking about, like, can he do enough? Can he win enough to to win the position? And in Leonard's case, it almost feels like it's his to lose. Maybe minus Leopold. Maybe that, you know, there's you were yeah, kind of saying right. beforehand, Dave, there's probably two guys. But with Leonard, it's it's like it's his to lose. Well, what if they don't get better? You know, what if the next seven games, what if he goes two and five and it's, you know, it's not a great finish to the Wisconsin team? Is that just totally okay? You know, we still want him there, or can he do damage to himself in the next seven day, games? You know, is he an interim in waiting or is or is he an interim, you know, and we'll see what, what he does? Because it feels in that sense, it feels different from Joseph with us. Like Joseph, it feels like he has to do something. I, by the way, I'm loving what he's doing, but it feels like he has to do something with, with Leonard. It's almost like they made this move so that they can try to keep Leonard. Yeah. You know, Boomer, I mean, I've, I've listened to all the national podcasts and I mean, there's been a lot theories abounding just like Rob was describing there. Right. And I mean, it's like you, you could make the case of like the, the question wasn't really necessarily the, the why in general, you can look at saying that that Wisconsin season trending in the wrong direction, even though, Paul Christ had an eight or nine win season last year. They don't seem to be as, as good as they were just three or four years ago. Um, and that um, they felt like maybe a change was going to be needed 
Um, but why now? Right. And and you have to look at a theory of saying like, well, they wanted to give Jim Leonard seven games to Honky's point to actually um, prove himself here. If he just goes four and three, that's probably maybe enough. And they're like, that's the guy we wanted anyway. And, and now we can, can hire him um, without having some other uh, school try to go after him. Also heard the same theory of like, well, they legitimately want to go over Lance Leipold and they didn't want to do that behind Paul Chris back. So we, they wanted to fire him now so they could actively go out and start going after Lance Leipold, who is from Wisconsin, didn't go to Wisconsin, but, but Wisconsin Whitewater as a player and then a six-time national ch- championship coach there. And, and that's their target, right? I mean, w- what other theories have you heard? Yeah, the, those are the only things that would seem to make any real sense to me at this point, unless there's something Paul Chris did in the background that hasn't leaked out and, you know, gave people reason to, to fire him. Um, but, yeah, those would be the two most likely scenarios if you're trying to, like, game theory this out, why you do these things to give yourself a chance to negotiate on this sort of stuff and uh, get in on that. Dave, did you have something you wanted to Yeah, no, I just – I mean, I think a third – third theory maybe one that just is a little bit different is the idea that they didn't want to give Paul Christ a chance to fix this over the next seven games the point is that they really wanted to make a change and even though they're two and three right now they took advantage of of the big loss right now to cut ties because they really felt like they needed to make a change on for whatever reason I keep in mind this is a new athletic director Mm-hmm. Um, this is not Barry Alvarez, which I mean, Barry would not make this move. I don't think, right? It doesn't. Paul it seems unlikely. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so new AD thinks he has support of the boosters, wants to go a different direction, take advantage of a bad loss, and make the move now. And if Leonard works out, great. And if not, we're, we're transitioning to Leipold, right? But they want to make a change no matter what. It was a it was preemptive to keep Paul Chris from actually saving his job or causing it a more of a challenge to fire because if you think about let's say nebraska i mean i'm not saying that this would have worked at all but if if i course would have fired Bo after losing 38 to 9 to somebody or whatever opposed to waiting till the end of the season and firing him after he beats iowa maybe it would have been better better received right but you wait to the end of the year and he actually wins yeah. the game that you think he's going to lose and everybody's like what the heck did you just do right but you fire him when he's two and three. You don't give him a chance to get back to seven, eight, or nine wins. That's all about timing. Did did he say anything about gravitating to mediocrity? <laughs> and I think he did say something about the stat, status of their program. I think he didn't I reference mean, any it, other program. It does seem to be a little disarray, like you said, Dave. Though I mean, recruiting wise, or just their their skill players are just they're not good. I mean, their their receivers aren't good. Graham Mertz is just all the hype he came in with and had what like one or two good games and the quarterback yeah well he's mm-hmm. done absolutely nothing there since then and the running game isn't what it was or, or what you'd expect that of a wisconsin team so you, you you're probably right in some degree that this was a good chance to do this sort of thing uh you know it's kind of akin to albert's giving frost that chance to you know make the change in you know in in this season to try to make things better and when he didn't it was an easy trigger to pull because there wasn't really right. any just you know debate at this point that hey this this isn't working we need to make a change and maybe that's what uh is it mcintosh is that the athletic director mcintosh mcintosh yeah. okay i know something some sort of apple so that or gala or you know <laughs> gravenstein like or something yeah yeah something like that so as long as but, not no, same it, as it, granny smith <laughs> right yeah no granny smith so we got that but yeah it, it is interesting i'll be curious to see where they go with this and 
because that is a big roll of the dice, though, if you're hoping your unproven defensive coordinator is going to be that head coach that everyone or that a lot of people think he could be. But there's no guarantee on anything like that. That's asking, yeah, it's a pretty good roll of the dice, you know, if you're going to yeah. fire somebody like Chris who had success. Um, I mean, that's why I almost think they would, they did this just right now in case they want to go the, the Leipold route. They can kind of get, get their hooks in early on that. Again, there's no guarantee yeah. they'll get him, but I think it gives them the chance to get him if they wanted it. So that's probably why they did it, I would think. So. You know, Rob, I mean, from a, from a culture perspective, I mean, compared to the Nebraska fire just a few weeks ago, um, I mean, a lot of the players have said, hey, you know, Scott Frost's our guy and everything, but they didn't, like, like go down with the ship, per se, on tweets or anything like that. But Wisconsin has, Alan, their running back saying, you know, hey, I mean, everybody in the locker room was in support of, of our head coach. We didn't want to see this happen. Um, and then you put your defensive coordinator, who might be your, your next head coach, in that position to kind of fix that. That's that's difficult for Jim Leonard a little bit, I think. I mean, if he actually goes four and three or five and two, um, that that's pretty impressive considering the players are probably pretty pretty angry right now. I mean, I don't want to go down that road because I don't want to say the players at Nebraska didn't support Frost, right? Like I can tell you, I, I didn't, I didn't, I think they I'm do, sorry. but they didn't verbalize it. No, that's they didn't verbalize it. But I also think that for once, um, you know, our maybe our media people were just like, hey guys. Like we can talk about this in private, you know, we've got, we have counselors on the side to help you through your problems. But I mean, they, you know, but I do think, I, I think maybe we just handled it to the point to where, and there was some people on our team that like came out and said some, some stuff, but it wasn't really like damning or it wasn't super covered in the media, right. Where, you know, like, Oh, Hey, here's some things that we weren't doing like the tackling. Right. I mean, like, you know, they talked a little bit about the culture, but I know for a fact that, some of the players, some of these guys were upset that Frost was was fired, right? Like, I, I mean, I know. Yeah, I there's just such got, different. Yeah, literally, well, I, I literally yeah. got a phone call from the mom, but it's different. Yeah, I yeah, understand. Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. heard the phone call, right? Yeah. So a hockey wants to jump in, I think. Yeah, it's just such different situations. And, and, and again, in Frost's case, it was it was at a point where just it had to happen. And what is interesting to me with Frost and, and now Joseph, two games later, essentially, in, and with his first victory, Again, that video in the in the oh locker God. room, how that team, you know, you would not know it wasn't Frost or it wasn't Joseph's team. It's it is Joseph's team now, and they, the way that they support him, they've gotten around him. And also, it's something I, I I kind of was mentioning before we went live here, and we've got a little bit of video coming up too that kind of just keeps highlighting this. And we'll talk about recruiting in a second. This feels like Joseph's team because he's only been here ten months, but half the damn team seems like he brought him here. I mean, our top receiver, who's going to potentially break every record here, is absolutely a Joseph guy. The quarterback who's throwing the ball to him is here because of Joseph. The running back, you know, he talked about Anthony Grant, and, and I'll show the video later. He talks about the recruiting of him, and, and man, he was as involved as anyone getting him here. And this team, Joseph already has such a connection to these guys. Um, they're playing for him. Uh, there's just, and he's holding them accountable to things. God, I hope we get some wins for a, a whole ton of reasons. But um, I, I like, I really like what I saw from from game four to, to this, from an effort standpoint, from a discipline standpoint on the defensive side that we'll get to. All those things, this team is playing a lot better already. Now you know. Now you got stack wins. You got to do it again. You got to do it again. Keep getting better. All that. Get you know. Get this game out of your head. The twenty four hour rule. 
But uh, Mickey seems to be the perfect guy for what we're needing right now. So this discussion about coaching searches, which will obviously continue to go on week after week, um, boy, if, if we keep seeing what we've seen out of him and the accountability that he does, my my guy is right under our nose. He's right here, and uh, and and that's pretty good too. He's a, he's I know he doesn't have the, the head coaching experience that would be ideal, but he is he's learning on the fly right now. And if he can get this ship righted. That tells me a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, so Hunky, Boomer, I, God, I, I'm bad at this tonight, aren't I? Go ahead. It's okay, it's Rob. I, I wanted to wrap up the conversation with a question for Boomer uh, on um, the comparison of the Nebraska and Wisconsin head coaching jobs. Um, a, a popular, um, you know, talking point of the national media is like trying to figure out ranking the Power Five coaches. Colorado and Georgia Tech way at the bottom. Arizona State is in the middle. And then Wisconsin and Nebraska are kind of debated as, you know, which one's a better job. Um, and it's interesting to me because when you hear these guys speak, they talk about how Wisconsin's more stable and they have a better culture that's set in place. Um, even though someone like Lance Leipold would change their offensive culture entirely. I mean, he has a different – he runs a different offense than Wisconsin's ever run under Barry Alvarez. So – they like Lance Leipold's very different offensive philosophy there. But, I mean, the, the culture that Wisconsin talks about is actually the Barry Alvarez, you know, mm -hmm. Nebraska culture that he brought um, and learned from uh, Bob Devaney and, and others. So, I mean, I think it's just really intriguing, right? Yeah, if anything, this the, the events of the last few days have just proved that Wisconsin just copies everything from Nebraska. So, yeah, that's <laughs> just a given. Yeah, here, so. very successfully. Yeah, to their they've done it well. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, and, and that's such kind of a goofy thing to say, you know, what's the better job, quote, unquote. Uh, it's so situational. Uh, you know, Wisconsin has certain advantages, you know, just because they've had more success recently. But, like you said, culture-wise, they just kind of blew that up this week. I mean. They, they did that stability right. that they've had the culture long. now they've just showed hey we'll pull the trigger you know mid-season if you're not performing or we think there's somebody better or for whatever reason they did that 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 kind of unsettles that this is that new ad i'm nebraska fans we know what can happen sometimes when a new ad comes in and tries yeah. to mix things up what that can do to a program so that can totally is his name sean mcintosh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, looks like the, he looks like the big guy on happy gilmore that uh, you know the giant that they try to tee the ball. Yeah, it kind of does. So uh, I'll see you in the parking lot. Yeah, and you know, so, and one thing I kind of mentioned on Twitter this last week is you know people always say that well you know you're coming to the Big Ten West you know which team's better you know suited for that. There's not going to be a Big Ten West in probably two years. So that's mm -hmm. something yeah. else people have to consider, and and people forget about that that we don't even know what the conference schedule is next year, let alone what it's going to be in two years. Yeah, exactly. So who knows, you know, what's going to be the better job. And again, it just, it's going to depend on the person and, and what they want out of a program and what you think the ceiling is for it. So, and I think yeah, we've seen know, what Wisconsin's ceiling is with what they've done. So I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing and then throw it out to anybody who wants to kind of wrap this up. But um, that idea that the big 10 West is, is, is kind of going away. I mean, it, it's, pretty obvious it feels like that it, we're going to have a different structure here when UCLA and USC join here in two years. Um, so to your point of like, you know, Wisconsin, oh, it's an easier path to the playoff because all you need to do is win the Big Ten West and you're in the Big Ten championship game. That's going to go away. I'm curious if if the formula that Wisconsin and Iowa and to some degree Minnesota and now what Elon was going to do at Illinois is – 
is been really successful in the Big Ten West, but maybe won't be as successful in the non non division Big Ten, where you maybe need to be able to be able to um, finish in the top four, and that includes in Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, USC, um, and you might need a little bit more explosive players. And what I, what I was trying to get at there is that I think the the interesting with Nebraska and the advantage potentially over Wisconsin, but it's a little muddled is the m- amount of money we're willing to spend on a successful football program. Historically yeah. speaking, we have been all in on football for five plus decades, essentially. And Wisconsin has been the opposite. They, they've had their chancellor notoriously quoting that big 10 coaches get paid too much money. And that uh, Brett Bielema pretty much when he left was, was pretty much like, look, these guys won't pay my coaching staff enough. And I'm moving on to, to Arkansas because I, I, and tired of these limitations financially uh, for my coaches and contract lengths, all these different things. Yeah, they wouldn't even spend for baseball. Yeah, yeah they, exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I wonder if anybody here thinks that this is a move by Wisconsin saying that this is a culture shift. Like they are, they're ready to play big boy football and we are going to go all in and we don't care how much we have to pay our coach and, and at the salary pool for our assistants, et cetera, because we, we want to compete in the new big 10 um, in 2024. Well, and, and in order to, to have that show off, you, you better have some success pretty early. Uh, Steve Peterson tried to do a lot of the same things here too. It was a, it was a culture shift and we were going into the, into the, the West coast offense world. And we were getting into the 21st century of, of everything. When you start losing right away, it's like, Oh no, I mean, you know, and it was everything just to keep the support you already had. Uh, I, I agree with Boomer earlier where he said, you know, some of those polls are so dumb. You know, which, what job is better? It's it's better based on whoever the coach is. You know, when Frost was the top coach in the country coming out in 2017, the best co- job in the country was Nebraska to him. And he was going to take Nebraska over any literally any other job that was out there, right? It, it comes down to the individual. And then it comes down to if you have no allegiances to a certain school, the whole package, right? What's better, Nebraska or Wisconsin? Well, I mean, I'm going to say Nebraska, but NIL gets put into that. There's some of your money that you're talking about, Dave. Transfer portals. How are you going to get some of those instant, uh, you know, uh, uh, athletes, especially at some of the the skill positions where Boomer, you were saying Wisconsin's been struggling. You want to go into transfer portal. You want to be able to use NIL. What about facilities? Nebraska's building a $160 million facility that will be open by the time the next head coach is coaching a game next year. Uh, how does that compare to what Wisconsin has? All of those things play a role in addition to fan base. And our fan base continues to sell the stadium out at one and three after, you know, 16 and 31, you know, we still continue to sell it out. And I think we'll continue to sell out this, uh, the rest of the se- season. Uh, it was funny though. I mean, last week, the media, I, I watched some radio show of, of uh, Wisconsin guys and they just, I mean, they laid into Wisconsin and how much, how much they thought they stunk. And, you know, yeah. we, we get on our media guys sometimes for being hard here or there. I was like, that was nothing. <laughs> I haven't heard anything come out of Nebraska media like uh, like they were getting it up there. So, I don't know. At the end of the day, uh, I'm comfortable with where Nebraska stands in terms of being able to get somebody uh, that will be more than qualified here. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with all the things that we have in place. Um, I just want to see good football, and that's what I like about what I'm seeing with, with some of the things Joseph is already starting to do and implement this season. I think that we can be seeing good football before uh, we have to officially make a hire on whoever the next guy is. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's a really good conversation about our head coaching right. search. All right. Uh, hockey, let's, uh, let's talk about some recruiting, huh? 
Yeah, uh, you know, we haven't done this in a little while. There isn't a whole lot of new stuff here, but I just kind of wanted to bring it back. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but this was the in-state recruiting graphic that we have. And I updated it about a week ago that with 2024 in-state, we added Caleb Pyfram, uh, offensive tackle 6'5", 260 from Omaha Central. And uh, and so that's five already from 2024. We still have the two kids, Christian Jones and Tyson Terry from 2025. We have Deshaun Prince from 2026. And then over here in 2023, you know, the, the class that's going to be signing in just a couple of months, uh, we have the five guys that are committed, Gunnar Gotchula, Benjamin Bramer, Sam Sledge, Brock Newton, Maverick Noonan, but then also Malachi Coleman. And I think this is interesting. He is going to be announcing his spot here on October 22nd. And to kind of go back earlier about Mickey Joseph and how he already feels like he has a connection with, you know, almost all the team. It feels like he's recruited half of them. Well, you would think, you know, when we fired Frost, what would that do towards our recruiting class? How many guys are going to jump off? And we did lose the one outside linebacker so far that was from Louisiana, who I, I'm positive Joseph had a role in getting here in the first place. But here's a, you know, a tweet from Malachi back in earlier in September, and it's him with Mickey. And the connection he has in, with Mickey, that's, you know, there's a, a, a good chance. I mean, we need to win some games. We need to beat Rutgers. We need to, to show some success here. But we're not out of the running with the top guy in state. And the top guy in state has a great connection with, with Mickey. And so, um, you know, that's the, the last guy here that's on this list for this year, Malachi Coleman, good chance that we can still get six in-state kids. And uh, a guy that I didn't get to add onto the list, it came in kind of at the last minute today, uh, Nebraska made the first offer to 2025 Millard North safety, Caden Vermas. Uh, it's the first Mustang to get a Husker offer since linebacker Sean Fisher in the class of 2008. So uh, that just kind of, it's a little bit of a, of a recruiting, you know, uh, just everything that's kind of gone over, over the last few weeks. And then the last one, and this is just part of recruiting in general. And we've talked about Lance Leipold. We've talked about uh, Kansas here a little bit. And this was something that the Husk guys posted. And it's the Kansas recruiting classes over the last five years. 2021, they were 63rd nationally. 2020, they were 61st. In 2019, 70th. 2018, 60th. 2017, 71st. Uh, commitments from three total four-star recruits, zero five-stars since 2017, including the 2022 class. Um, recruiting's important. Recruiting rankings are important. Not all... 5-0 and o teams are the same. I mean, th th we can go down a whole list of things about, about that. But what I see when I watch Kansas play is a, a team that's playing fairly mistake-free ball. They, they, you know, they, they're physical. They don't miss a lot of tackles. They, you know, they don't drop a lot of passes. They, they play clean football, and that's a credit to the coaching. And, and uh, you know, so th that's – it's – I can see why Le Leopold's going to be on a lot of people's list right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with – with Leipold is that that recruiting ranking does not show the transfers he he got. Now he didn't go out and get a bunch of five star transfers, but he did get uh, some key players from Buffalo to come with him, and mm -hmm. those guys knew the system right and was able to really establish some of that culture building uh, quickly. I think and mm -hmm. that's that's the difference. I don't know if you'd be able to do that with his next stop, but mm -hmm. um, it, it's definitely been a, a big advantage for there for him there at Kansas. Mm -hmm. Well, last thing, Dave, and then we can get into like scoring explosion stuff, but um, we sent out a couple of Twitter polls and it was just, what's the game ball that you were going to give uh, besides the one that Joseph got, uh, which position group on offense would you give a game ball to quarterback, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, or O-line 
44%. Uh, it said the tight ends and wide receivers would get it, followed up by running backs at 33%, O-line at 17, and the quarterback at 4. And then the uh, the defense one, again, besides Coach uh, Joseph, who would you give it to? Uh, would it be D-line, linebackers, DBs, or special teams? Special teams got the game ball for 42%, linebackers at 26%, uh, 18% for the D-line, and then the DBs got, got it for 12 so uh, Redcasters uh, were obviously they were impressed with the the tight ends and wide receivers, and they were impressed on the, with the special teams. Rightfully so, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's a, a big difference defensively, obviously. And we'll we'll break that in a little bit, but they only gave up what seventy one yards uh, in that, that second half. But the special teams shined and and got the big play that they needed to to jump on them. Does your business need easy competitive financing for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the best financing options for equipment, trucks, and other big ticket items. Just fill out an application and Currency Finance does the rest. Currency's equipment financing made simple. Go to gocurrency.com for details. Offers may vary and are arranged by Express Tech Financing LLC DBA Currency pursuant to CFL license 60DB054873. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. Doing a great job of, of run blocking right now. We and we got to work on our pass pro. But I think, you know, when you when you're shuffling in and out, you got to get your best five on the field. But right now, I think you know, it's where we, not where we want them at, but they're getting better every day in practice with Donnie. Donnie's doing a really good job of getting them out there. So they're getting better doing it. And as coaches, we got to make sure we're helping them with the scheme. All right. So scoring explosion where we talk about all things Husker offense. There's Coach Mickey uh, talking about um, the the offensive performance there last week. Honky, what did what'd you like the most about what you saw on Saturday night? Honestly, on the offensive side there, what he talked about with the O-line, and I went back and I rewatched the game on Sunday, um, I was really impressed with the offensive line. And it was even more impressive after you were talking about all the guys that, that ended up playing, you know, were new names. Yeah, they you know, rotated was, some guys in. And, and before I get too far into the offensive line, I want to highlight Trent Hickson. And, you know, congrats and everything to that guy. We're five games in, and he's replacing – Jurgens and there was all kinds of talk over the offseason. Oh, you know, Hickson, you know, he played started two or three years ago, but he's this or he's not that. That guy has been nothing but solid for us for five games. We haven't been hearing his name because of snaps going all over the place. He, and he's been solid as there's been a little bit of chaos at all the positions around him. And that's been really mm. key, I think, to the to any success that we've had up to this point. Um, but then, you know, along that O line. Uh, obviously you have Prohaska getting hurt and out for the season. Then you have Ben Hart struggling the way he has been and basically switching or going back and forth. I think Joseph said that he and Hunter Anthony uh, split the snaps 49, 40 this last week. And they'll probably do that again this week. Uh, your other top 100 offensive line recruit. So you had Ben Hart and Prohaska. The other one's Corcoran and, you know, right or wrong, whether it was a good call or bad call, he gets booted after back-to-back, 15 yard penalties and, you know, throwing a, a punch to a face, they said. So, um, wait, you there know, were penalties in that game? <laughs> they had a few. There was a few. <laughs> so, but, but what I saw, I saw clean pockets. I mean, when they pulled Casey off the field, they didn't pull him off the field because the old line let a guy through. They pulled it because he had plenty of time and he took a 13 yard sack. When yeah. there was a sack for the, uh, the, in the, you know, they gave a touchdown to, uh, Indiana, 
that sack was uh, the running back not making picking up a blitzer then not the offensive line and so you know not every sack is the o-line's fault and and i was really impressed with the play of them uh and that's going to be key moving forward so hockey let's i mean offensive line play it's interesting i mean watching the game it, it wasn't as apparent as the, the o-line had a marketed improvement. I mean, I don't Boomer or, or Rob, maybe you have a different different take, but I mean, watching the game, Ben Hart was ha- struggling. You, you, we only ran for, um, I mean, Grant got 120 some yards or whatever, right? But I mean, that was about it, really. Um, and there's plenty of pressure on, on Casey, but I'm, I'm glad that someone who has looked at the X's and was close enough is saying, hey, that, that, that was an improved play. But um, seems like there's uh, a long ways to go still. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, I don't think you can just look at the stats because the amount of sacks that we took there go against our rushing yards. I don't like yeah. our running game to begin with, and that's a that's that's on that's on the co- I mean, that's on the, our offense. That's on what we're calling. But we, it seems like it takes us a long time to do the things. What, what Mickey said at the end of that video was, "How do you set yourself up? How do the coaches help the team with the scheme?" And if you have an individual who's struggling, you can eat like Ben Hart, you can take him off or you can put backs in the backfield and not go empty, or you can have, you know, and chip block on his side, or you can have a tight end on that side, or you can roll out and move out of the pocket. It's one. And I've, we're getting moments where we get a little bit of creativity in there, but I have said this kind of since game one, it's one and Frost said it in the wrong way, but he said it right after the Northwestern game that we weren't a very inventive offense, very creative. And I still don't see a lot of that. I mean, it. you want to make the defense. We Whenever we lose a game on defense, we talk about how we have to have good eyes. You have to have good eyes and see what's going on. We don't make teams have to have great eyes a lot of times against us. Quarterback takes a snap. He turns like a statue. Ball's up here. We're passing the ball. If you're a defender, if you're a front seven guy and you're blitzing, you're pinning your back and you're coming. If you're in coverage, you're dropping back. That's what you see. If we hand the ball off, quarterback gets it. One hand, not even a two-hand mesh, no, no fake. And even if even if there was a fake, what's the what's the use? Quarterback's not going to keep it and run anyways. But it's a one-hand handoff. I mean, help your guys out. Be deceitful or deceptful a little bit with like what you're doing. You know, show them a lot of things. I mean, every time we played against Oklahoma, every play, there's a guy in motion from the side, there's two guys in the backfield, there's a fake handoff here, another thing. Quarterback rolls out. They're having to see so many things. I think that's going to help out a lot in addition to just, yeah, we got to get better too. So I, I defend the O-line, not because they've been perfect, far from it, but I see a scheme that it's like help them out too. And that's exactly what Joseph said there at the end of that. Help them out with scheme. If you're having a guy that's struggling there, figure out ways to roll things out and and, and try to mitigate the, the weakness. They did roll Casey at one time, Rob. Well, so I'm going to back up honky here because I'm not completely disappointed with the way the O-line's been performing. Um, I'm not going to back. I mean, I'm backing him up like supporting him, but he did say that he would like to see us with our run game get a little bit better. I'm going to read off to you the top six rushers in the nation right now. There's Chase Brown at Illinois. He's got mm-hmm. around uh, 733 yards. There's Kalan LeBourne. I think I said that. And Marshall was 731. Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State, right there next to Adrian. And Adrian has over 400 yards rushing as well at 638. Yep. There's Blake Corum from Michigan, uh, 611 yards. 
Uh, Raheem Sanders from Arkansas has 609 yards. And at number six is Anthony Grant from Nebraska with 600 yards rushing through five games. That's in the country. Um, so honky, while I agree with you that I would like to see a little bit more creativity and everything like that, it is nice to have a foundation of knowing that you have the sixth best running back in the country right now. I'd say we have the best running back in the I would say we have the best running back in the country. I right think, now. I think because so he's too. doing it, he's doing it in more difficult situations without the gigantic holes I've mm-hmm. seen. I said, I said we need a better rush game, not that we need a better runner. We have a great running back. No, I don't. Do, that, rush that's game. what I'm saying. I'm supporting and this. Is, you. This, this is the whole and... surrounding. You know, K State has a great run game right now, and they line up. And when you look and and you see tight ends out there on the field, and you you see them go under center everyone now and then, or they line up in the shotgun, they have two backs on each side of. Martinez in a back behind him, a diamond backfield set, full house backfield. They're showing lots of things to the defense. They have a great run game. There's a lot of deception going on with fakes and everything. Um, I don't see that with what we're doing. We have almost no threat of a QB run, despite having QBs who I thought have some mobility coming into the season. So that's part of the run game. But what Grant has done individually has been amazing. In fact, here, this is a good chance to actually to show what Joseph talks about with Grant. Great. Anthony's averaged 100. 20 rushing yards per game. Has anything about him surprised you even since camp to where he's at and what he's done? No. We, we, we thought he was probably the best back in the country coming out of JUCO. So we, nothing surprises us. You know, we speak to, spoke to the people from Florida State. They say no because, you know, they called, tried to get him back. You know, tried to get him back. But, no, nothing has surprised us by Anthony. He, he just was a little sore today, so he didn't understand that he had to go get treatment. He didn't know why. You know, but we, we let him know why he needs to get treatment. But no, there's nothing surprising about that kid. That kid's going to do what he has to do for us to win games. It's great. He doesn't get treatment in Juco, probably, huh? Is that the problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think about that, Dave. That's like the adjustment to Division One football from, from yeah. Juco is, you know, you hear about the, the nutrition. Oh, you know, I have to eat better. I can't just go out to McDonald's. Well, here, yeah, you. Yeah, you need to go in the day after and probably early before practice and and go and get all the treatment, all the options that we have. Um, but, uh, you know, so these guys are they're learning every day, too, with this stuff. They're new. Say it's they're it's new not kids. just big. It's not just Division One. I mean, even at FCS schools, like, I mean, I can sh- I, I can literally walk you up to the training facility at sure. UNC. And it and, and even and we talked about it with Kevin Williams, the difference between what mm. the treatment is like as well as you know and and how their meal plans are and it's like i mean we even walk through the the area where they get to eat and they can sit there and like either make their own food if they want or you know everything is like made to order too so i mean that it's a such a huge difference it's crazy absolutely but but to the point about to your point rob i'm ecstatic with what anthony grant has done in fact what he has done is, is made even more unbelievable considering some of the ridiculous things he's had to get himself out of in the backfield at times and, and the lack of holes. And I think that when, when Mickey says that we can scheme things to make things easier, we started motioning um, uh, Palmer this week and motioning him and then throwing it to him on the side, at, you know, out of that motion. And, and those are little pre-snap things where, you know, at least you can make a defense kind of have to, again, use your eyes. What are you seeing? The more things we can do, I, I'm I'm literally shocked at how little we have used the legs of of uh, Thompson, 
I'm a little shocked at how little he's been willing to use his leg sometimes, except for when we get down to the three yard line, then he, then he pulls it and runs it in the end zone. I, I've noticed that a couple of times and good for him, whatever, but, but we could use some of that at the 50 yard line too. And at the 40, there's times that, that, that he would be able to, you can distract the defense. You can force the defense to, to, to follow you to a different direction and that can open up things and that can make offensive linemen look better. All those things. I mean, there's just a lot that can go on there. Now, do you think that's he's being coached not to to run, or is that just he's choosing not to do so during games? I don't know. I I mean, I'm not in those I'm not in those meetings. I I can tell you what Whipple's oh, you offenses have looked like in the past. Yeah. I can tell you what Whipple's offenses have looked like in the past. I I don't I don't love this. I I mean, I a, a statue of a quarterback. If that's all we're going to do, then we're not doing anything different than what the Iowa's and and the Wisconsin's and those schools have traditionally done. But the difference is we're not putting fullbacks and double tights and, and power sets out there to, to try to counter it. So our run game, anything we can do, I mean, is, is based off of having to have gigantic plays in the past game, which we started to get. I mean, we are getting, and thank God for, for Palmer and those guys. But there's I the creativity is we have to be able to do more deception in the backfield with the – Make the defense and the front seven see more things. Use their eyes the way that we always say we have to use our eyes when we're playing a team. We have to do that to the other team, too. And I don't see enough of that. I just see a snap, and and it's a statue. I see it's a snap, and it's a direct handoff. And it's yeah. and there's not as much deception there. Yeah, and I mean – And, and, and Dave, and the probably, rolls. You, and you said, you said at the end, there was the roll. You know, that's in the, that's in the offense. Roll them out. Get them out. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I don't, I mean, I think if we looked at Whipple's offense over the years, it's probably not that, that different. We always, I think your, your hypothesis was that this was going to mesh his offense with frost offense. And, and obviously that's, that's not going to be the case but, per se at this present moment. Yeah, so. Even there, even there, Jay's comment, he, he's, he's dinged up. So they don't want to give him hits. I hear that forever. But then you sit him in a pocket, and where does he take his hits? He takes him in the pocket. Whether you give him six seconds and he takes a 13 sack, pass and he takes, and he, well, <laughs> but they give him six seconds, and he takes a hit. Yeah, so he takes a hit there. Or a year ago, we can't run option with Martinez because when you run option, you're going to take too many hits. No, he takes the hits in the pocket. When we go and play Northwestern and run for 400 yards, Martinez has eight carries. Okay, so – you scheme, and this is I'm 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 gonna go overboard on what, what Mickey said today, but he said there are things you can do to scheme, and that's coaching and try to find ways to scheme so that your quarterback doesn't get killed. Rolling him out of the pocket is a great example of ways to not get him killed. I mean, the biggest hits you're gonna take are probably from 300 pound guys hitting you in the backside in a pocket when you're standing still. That's probably the worst hit you're ever gonna take as a quarterback. That's right. Alumni Hall, they just opened up a sweet new shop in downtown Lincoln. I believe it took over one of the other shops. What shop was that, Honky? It was Husker headquarters. They also have one at 56 and um, Highway 2. So yeah. there's two locations in Lincoln now. And yeah, and they just they just opened up there. And next time I'm in Lincoln, I'm definitely looking forward to going there and checking out this the store itself. You know, we we've we've gone around the Haymarket, checked out a couple stores there, but apparently this one is top notch and and you know, number one with all of like the actual licensed, you know, swag and everything. And I got my shirt there too. So a little Herbie love going on and, you know, rock and roll, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, that's alumni hall. And you can also check their stuff out alumnihall.com backslash Nebraska. I think it is. And you can see all of the stuff to purchase from them through there. Cause they will send it to you in the mail. It's time to throw the bones. 
was the biggest difference on defense in your mind? What was the finally able to force eight three and outs and all that? Well, Sip, you know, we, we talked about it last week. We said, what we're going to do, get them lined up, get lined up. That's, that's the big thing on defense, you know, just get them lined up. You know, my brother Vance yesterday, he got his team to line up. When you can get them lined up, now they can recognize what's going on and recognize formation. That's the big key, recognizing what's going on, but you got to recognize the formation. So I thought they lined up, then they played with their hair on fire. That's scheming. That's coaching. Yeah. That is a team playing so much faster. Bill Bush, God love the guy. I've, I've talked about him since 2018 on this show. Henry Nebraska. <laughs> love the guy. And all they did, that, what you simplify things down to just line up. All I watched on defense the whole game, all I did was before the snap, are we lined up? Is anybody running from side to side? Is there, is there Are guys turning their heads and trying to get guys into the right positions? Because that's all I saw against Oklahoma. Every time they did any kind of shift or movement, we were all over the place. Against Indiana, I, I mean, we may have been running two defenses for all I know. It, you know, it might have been the high school schemes for cripe's sakes. But we lined up. We lined up on, on time. We gave great effort. And then uh, we also seemed to get some personnel packages on the field that I, I liked a lot better, too, than than I've seen the first four games. It seemed, I wonder how much Mickey talked to his brother. You know, like I, it seemed, I mean, this is like the fourth or fifth time that he has mentioned Vance in, in that. And as long as Vance isn't the head coach, which I loved him at in Denver, I loved Vance. Um, But I mean, as a defensive coordinator, he is top notch in the league. And I wonder, I mean, he just keeps mentioning, I, you know, Vance, this Vance, that, and I wonder how much he, he has talked to him about this, like, and how much, you know, Bill Bush has taken, from that as well, kind of like, okay, cool. Like let's, let's take this advice that, that we're getting. Cause you know, Vance is watching the games at least. Right. Like, I mean, his brother's the head yeah, coach. Sure. Sure. I mean, I wonder, so I wonder, I mean, I, again, I don't think you need to wonder that. Rob. I mean, I think Mickey's actually already told us. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he said he talks to Vance practically every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, he actually so, said he does talk to him every day. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so I don't know what you're wondering about. I think it's pretty clear. I, just, I think Vance is giving him a lot of advice and I'd also say that Bill Bush is—he's been a so defensive Vance coach Joseph for is going to be Mickey's three decades. Coordinator I mean, when he gets the job. Is no, that what you're saying? I don't think oh, so. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I think I think if, if Mickey would happen to be the head coach, I think Bill Bush is your defensive coordinator because Bill Bush is probably you know I mean had had the most alignment with Dave Aranda over the last decade as as a, a defensive coach, and so he's probably going to steal most of what Dave Aranda would be doing. To be honest with you, I mean I I don't know how much Vance is influencing that per se, but there's probably certain things that he's influencing from a, um, from a scheme standpoint. Mm-hmm. Initial well, concept. there was a, there's a third and long in the third or fourth quarter, third and long. And we flush the quarterback out of the pocket and he ends up throwing an incompletion out of bounds or, or he would have gotten creamed. Uh, the three guys chasing him are Nelson Tanner and Mathis. All in the backfield, all chasing him. And all I could think of was the shock I had as I'm watching us against Georgia Southern, against North Dakota, those first few games where you just assume that, you know, yeah, you're, you're, it's a learning curve. You've got a lot of new guys in here. So, you know, but you're playing these guys, you know, you'll, you'll get some things figured out, right? And to never see those guys either on the field at the same time, or there's always two guys dropping back into coverage or whatever. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. It's like, 
what mm-hmm. in the world is going on? Like I was expecting big Mac sack attacks every week, like 10 of them, because we have all this pressure coming and, and those guys are barely rushing, you know, and to see that in a, in a third and long situation that we put them in and then to have your three guys that you're expecting, they're all coming and they're all chasing that QB. That was a great sign. We're going to play teams the rest of the season where the QBs, I'm not too concerned, minus Michigan. I'm not too concerned about the feet of any of the quarterbacks that we're going to play against the rest of the year. There's not, not really any one team that, that has that kind of player. We're not playing Maryland. We're not playing Ohio state. So maybe um, Tanner Morgan a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Morgan would, and Morgan, just because I think he's that good too. I really do. I mean, the guy's been, been there forever. I I give him a a second contract. Yep. (laughs) But, um, but but a lot of the other guys, I mean, get some pressure on these guys and they want to sit them in the pocket. Right. So anyways, uh, Michigan quarterback could probably move. Yeah. The Michigan one, I, I flat out that team, Watching them, man, they flat out scared the heck out of me. But that's that's for another week. Um, but I I just thought I saw so much better effort. I saw Ty Robinson played his best game. I thought guys, you know, guys were they knew what they were doing and they just played hard in in whatever their role was. They weren't trying to do too much. All the things that seemed to be the mistakes that we had the first three four weeks. So, Honky, um, help me out here a little bit because I'm not always the, the X's and O's guy. So, it seems like that would would work. You know, they ha- they had a bye week. New def- defensive coordinator can install that maybe simplified scheme defensively, and it, it's a c- success right away. Outside of the two drives that Indiana had at the end of the first half, they really shut them down for almost the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you keep in mind, seven of their 21 came off of uh, a fumble in the end zone, right? Absolutely. Um, and maybe it'll be successful again against Rutgers. Um, but at some point, do you feel like a, a simplified scheme eventually in the Big Ten is going to catch up and some teams that have uh, get two or three games of footage here, they start figuring out what they're doing, and then they start exploiting that that simplified scheme, and then they can start really you know running all over us again. Are you worried I, about I, that? No, because I think that we're going to be adding to this scheme as the season goes on, but it will be Bill Bush things that he's adding. But, you know, to your point here, I mean, here's a couple of the, the tweets or some of the official stats. Um, you know, official stats said Nebraska held Indiana 290 total yards, two of 15 on third down. Uh, according to the PFF, Nebraska had just six missed tackles last night on defense. They were averaging 13.75 per game heading into Saturday. No new black shirts uh, after the Indiana win uh, per Mickey Joseph. Now, you know, you, you think about that and the, the, the tackling. Just we've now had three weeks, three weeks of Mickey Joseph-led practices where we're tackling and presumably being more physical as, as uh, Trev said, when he fired uh, frost things he's looking for are, you know, being a a tough team team that wins in the trenches. So uh, immediately you would assume that practices would start to be geared towards doing those things, more, more physicality, bringing guys down. I saw open field tackles that were being made this week that we've missed in the past. Um, so you keep, you keep getting better at the basic fundamentals as you continue to add some more, you know, there, you know, no doubt Bush is going to get creative with, with things as the season goes on too. Yeah. All right. I'm going to throw on to Boomer and then to Rob Boomer um, with the, um, I think I just overthought myself. <laughs> I was like, no, I've got two great ideas. I'm going to get them both the Boomer and Rob and I'm totally, totally blank with uh, let's go to Rob then uh, Rutgers wise. Uh, what are we thinking we're going to expect here um, going forward? 
uh, defensively or offensively w- w- against Rutgers. I mean, it seems like I know now I know. So either one of you guys, I now know I was going to say Boomer. Uh, what I was going to mention is like Indiana seemed to be about the slowest team we played all year, right? Yeah. I mean, like they were like I mean, watching Georgia Southern looked the, yeah. like it was unbelievable, right? So I mean, like was Indiana just that bad, or was it was it they were just playing slow because, I mean, our defense was actually staying in front of them. I don't know. I think it was a bit of both. I, they don't have a lot of great team speed, and that was a given going into the game. And then missing their top wide receivers is going to hurt anybody. I and mean, imagine if we didn't have, like, Palmer in a game. That would hurt anybody. Yeah. But um, Sure. And, and, and a lot of it was our defense being able to play more aggressively because of that. It, it certainly made them look slow, and, and they were. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it was. Um so and and you know what I've seen in Rutgers, it's very similar to Indiana. They don't have offensive firepower. So it, it, I'm, I'm we haven't gotten to the cast yet, but I'm anticipating a very similar game to uh, you know, when we play Rutgers here. Yeah, so a little little uh, yeah. yeah, it's a little foreshadowing here. Folks, so, yeah, yeah, yeah Rob, I mean, we, you think? Well, go ahead, on. Well, I was just gonna say we gave up 71 second half yards to him. You know, I mean. Uh, I watched us play North Dakota earlier this year, and we had bust all over the place. I don't know how good yeah, their North talent Dakota was either, but so, North Dakota is a better offensive team than Indiana well, was. But my point is, game. my point is, it doesn't it doesn't even matter who the opponent is right now. It really doesn't because bust or bust, and you either have them or you don't. Right, and and because we we could have made Indiana look very good too. You know, I mean, it's easy to send two guys to the same gap. It's easy not to blitz uh, Mathis and Tanner and, and Nelson and go, you know, drop them into coverage and not pressure the QB and then have them pick up ours too. I mean, those are all options too. Um, so some of this is scheme and, and coaching decisions. And, and I kind of like it. This is a more aggressive style than what we were seeing. I think. Yeah. Not good options. Right, Rob. Well, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of us can argue that the talent isn't there, right? Like, I mean, the talent on this team is there and, 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 and honky, like you said, it, it comes down to scheme. I don't see why we would change anything that we've done against Indiana, because I think Boomer said in our text thread that, that Indiana and Rutgers, you know, are basically the Spider-Man meme of them, like pointing at each other, you know, and, and, you know, and, and being like, <laughs> wait a second, I, you know, and, and so I think that it's going to be very similar I tried to do a breakdown like I did with Indiana as far as like defense goes, because Indiana's had some formidable opponents, but Rutgers has not. And, and so it's hard, like when they're playing like Boston college and, and I can't even, well, they just played Ohio state, Rob. So they did, but they got killed. They got killed by Ohio state and Ohio state. Yeah. 49, 10. And, and most, and most people in the country would tell you that Ohio state, regardless of what the rankings will show you right now, Ohio state is the best team in the country. Right. I mean, uh, sec bias aside. So, I mean, that's, that's a tough one to even like, but I'm saying they played a tough opponent and they did and they got killed and they got killed. And, and so I think that if we just go in there and we, we play our game plan, we play, you know, our version of, (laughs) of what we played last week. I think that we, there we go. I think that we're going to, uh, you know, basically see hopefully a similar result, but hopefully we're not going to see what we saw in the first half with some of those mistakes, because hopefully Mickey's learning as well, as far as how he's calling the game. So, I mean, or at least, you know, well, yeah, let's game let's game planning. Yeah, game planning, point. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that that I think that's all I'm trying to say is that it's really hard to judge what Rutgers being three and two really looks like when you know the two opponents like Iowa 
one of the best defenses in the country. And then Ohio State, probably the best team in the country. They've gotten destroyed by both those. And I mean, they, on paper, if you looked at the Iowa game, they sh- they look like the, you would have thought that they would have won that game if you didn't show them the score, if you show anybody the score. But, you what, know, stat-wise Iowa, against Iowa? They... Yes, stat-wise, other than three turnovers. You know what I mean? But I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, exactly. Those so, tricky turnovers those against tricky Iowa. Turnovers, I know. But I'm just saying, like, if you looked at the stats, you'd be like, oh, like, how did that happen? But then you're like, oh, I got Iowa, you. I got turnovers. You. Yeah. Yeah. You All know, right. So well, it's tough. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I hear you, Rob. Bottom line, Rutgers isn't that good. We should beat them. Okay. There we go. Right. That's what I like. All right, Honky. I think we've uh, covered everything we could possibly do on this before we get to the, the bet cast, uh, but I think there's a, a, some an announcement you want to highlight, and maybe it's a parting shot for you. I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, I've got a couple ones here. Uh, the number one was uh, congrats to Malcolm Hartzog, the Big Ten freshman of the week. There on was it defense or special teams? I, I, I think it was defense, wasn't it, Boomer? I mean, he, even though he. He was, yeah, because he obviously was the one that scored the touchdowns. That was special teams. But I don't know. He was big. But there he is in the second play. half playing defense and covering guys and knocking down some passes too. And so, again, just another example, seeing more guys getting out there. And I, that was great. Uh, the second one here, and this is, I mean, this just came out today, and this is extremely sad. Our condolences to the family of the former Husker offensive lineman, Mark Pelini, a uh, 31-year-old, died in a car crash on an Indiana toll road Sunday that left him and two others dead at the scene. He was the nephew of Bo Pelini, came here as a walk-on in 2010, eventually becoming the starting center for the 2014 season. So uh, that is extremely sad news that that came out today. And uh, our hearts go out to everyone, the, the entire Pelini family there. Uh, the last thing, and I think this is what you were talking about, Dave, a uh, uh, parting shot here for me. Thank you, Redcast Nation. Uh, we hit 10,000 Twitter followers over the weekend. And now we're at like 10,200. It's just blowing up. Wow. Guys. It just, it's going crazy. Um, that's moving our total number of social media followers. So really what I can all our cumulative Husker nation, we are by this time next week, we'll be over 20,000. So we are, <laughs> we, we, we've been the 11th, I think it's the 11th or 12th largest city in Nebraska for ever since we passed La Vista at like 17,000. There's, there's a big jump when we, we have to get to like 22,000 to get ahead of uh, North Platte, but uh, we're coming, we're coming for you North Platte. And uh, we're ready to get into the top 10 in the state. Uh, Husker Nation's growing fast. So appreciate all the support. How uh, quick can we get to get to Columbus? Well, Columbus is like 24,400 something. So we've, we've got a ways. But, hey, Husker Nation, make it make it tough or, or make it easy on us. Just follow, put, you know, pass it along, you know, tell your friends and, and neighbors and everything. Follow the Redcast. And uh, when you get done doing that, follow the Betcast too. The BetCast Picks of the Week. All right, guys. Uh, it was honky letting us go, and uh, we will uh, dive into some uh, bets. Uh, let's recap uh, last week, shall we, guys? Let's you see. You don't have to, Dave. I mean, that's all right. One green bar there. Oh, that's, that's me getting NC State at Clemson over 43. Um I mentioned you guys in our text thread. There's a lot of value in that number because the hurricane had actually driven that number down from 50 all the way down to 40. And I caught it on the rebound and it did take um, till relatively late in the fourth, but I, I covered that. 
Uh, let's see here. Skip. Skip's uh, boy. He's having a rough, rough year. Yeah, it's not his best year he's, he's ever had, is it? Yeah. Um, and to, you know, he brought up the point. Maybe you guys want to entertain this. We might have to get a new graphic from from Swobes. But in previous years, we used to do like three best bets for each one of us. Um, and maybe that might improve our our numbers here a little bit because Skip is struggling. I don't know what he exactly saw in Ole Miss uh, minus uh, six and a half versus Kentucky. Uh, they did win that game, but um, only by three. Boomer, um, you know, Washington, maybe a little too much hype there with uh, the Boer era with the Huskies. Uh, lose to UCLA. Chip Kelly is 5-0, and oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm really surprised, actually. I, I wasn't counting on Washington as much as I was discounting Chip Kelly and UCLA. They've actually surprised me. So. Yeah, and talk talk about a quarterback that's on a second contract, right? I mean, my yeah. goodness, um, Thompson Robinson has been there forever. That's um, about what you need when you go to the Big Ten. That'll be interesting. That'd be the yeah. equivalent of of Adrian being back in Nebraska this year because he essentially is the same timeline. This fifth year started all five years essentially. Um, I don't know how many uh, games started he has at UCLA, but it's going to be a, a monster. And then Rob, you know, I thought this was actually a relatively good bet, um, especially when it looked like Aiden McConnell was going to be out. But then he actually played versus Minnesota, and Purdue actually wins this one outright um, by scoring 10 late points. That was a game that was 10-10 with like six minutes to go. Yeah, that was, was not such pretty. a tough game with O'Connell. You, you didn't know if he was going to play, and then uh, Muhammad Ibrahim being out, it was just, geez, yeah. it was a hard one to predict. That's right. It went the wrong way, right, Boomer? I mean, if you switch those two names and say McConnell's out and and Mo Ibrahim plays, yeah, yeah, I think that's an easy go for a victory at that point. But yeah, it's it, yeah. it, it just kind of goes to show how you have to watch for those injuries to before you yeah. bet in some of these games. Yeah, well, you know those those they, conference games. I guess you know the the one if you're betting. I guess you know maybe stay away from those because you never know like who's going to win. I mean, you never know when an zero and three team is going to come in and beat a uh, two and one team. You know what I mean? It's uh oh, I'm sorry. Especially the division about, teams that was, know each other. I was other talking about. Bit. I was talking about the NFL there. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, it's uh, yeah, and 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 lesson learned on that one because I Minnesota, I watched them play the, their last two games and they looked like world beaters. They looked like they could run away with this division. All of a sudden, hadn't really just, played anyone though, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you're that's right. But, but they felt, but it just felt like they were clicking on all cylinders, right? Like there wasn't really any letdowns on any side of the ball for yeah. them regardless yeah. right there was no hiccup our, our luck but, but the gopher is always good for one inexcusable loss every year i mean who did they lose yeah, last yeah, year? Yeah. Well, they're like gonna that? have yeah. two they're gonna have two this year so our, our luck mo Ibrahim will be fully healthy when they play us and he'll he'll run wild but um maybe you're right rob maybe you're right well uh let's turn the page going forward and uh, hockey did set us up with a tweet of the week here and, you know, I don't know where Harold Varsity saw this, but um, they say here Huskers Rutgers opens as a pick em. So for the Friday night kickoff, this is a Friday night game, so it's going to get a little bit more TV um, probably a little bit more uh, betting action because there's only maybe one or two games usually on a Friday. Um, so you're probably going to get a lot of action on this. So you might see some line movement. Um, I saw it open up around two, two and a half. Yeah, it's, a and it's at three right now. So yeah, right. So Boomer, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but I mean, if you could have got this at two and a half, 
or even you want to buy it down. This is, I mean, I'm not, I don't bet on Nebraska games normally, but this is one where you feel like you might want to do this. This seems yeah. like that's a number. Yeah. I, I, when I saw this open at two and a half, when I was looking at it, this is, I don't like to bet Nebraska games because I don't like to let emotion just completely disrupt what I do. But Rutgers is basically Indiana again. They they have no offensive weaponry, and their defense is okay. But they're gonna like occasionally Palmer get behind them a few times, and that's all it's gonna take. I mean, they, they can't score more than twenty points against a, a an FCS or excuse me, an FBS opponent. And, yeah, I, I don't know why the line is as close as it is when it opens. So, I mean, I can, maybe it's the Piscataway crowd. I have no idea. Or maybe they know Rob is going to the game. <laughs> Those are the only things I can That's think it. of. But, yeah, I'd, if you can get this. Handicappers are like, wait a second. I mean, I, I would be stunned if this was closer than that, under a field goal. I I have no idea. So, yeah. I, I this can't is cheer. One of the few times I, you would I take a breath. Cheer loud, Rob. I can't. I can't yeah. cheer. I'm going to be wearing a media pass. I'm not allowed to. That's cheer. okay, Rob. We're all right with that. Yeah, yeah. I'll be cheering in my head very loud. That's what we want. Yeah. yeah. So, I, uh, Rob, I mean, what, what are you? What are you looking for? You'll be on the sideline here, obviously. Um, and I it, now, Boomer, hold on. I'll, I want to ask this question: In New Jersey, you can't bet on Rutgers games, right? That is correct. It's going to be like Nebraska. You once we do have sports betting here, you're not allowed to bet on the right. Nebraska when they're playing at home. But if it was good, we could bet on this game. So, so betting. So Rob, if you want to bet on this, you need to bet before you leave Colorado. Yes, exactly. Don't wait. Don't wait until in Atlantic City, Rob. So. so I have a. I do have a rule that I don't bet on Nebraska. Not since the Illinois game. Um, <laughs> Fair. Um, so fair, I haven't, I have fair. not laid a single bet on Nebraska since the Illinois game. Um, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because it'll be the first time that I'm ever allowed at a game where I'm not going to be allowed to cheer. I'm not going to be wearing any Nebraska stuff. I'll be wearing all red cast stuff. Um, yep. and so, and, and Dave, you and I, have spent enough time together to know that like, this is going to be a, a, a bigger test for me than it will be for uh, Nebraska as a football team. <laughs> as far as, yeah, far no, as the no one is banned from to, the getaway, right? to hold the, yeah. uh, to hold my emotions in. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think actually what I'm going to try to do is um, really capture moments. I think while I'm there, for this um and i know this isn't really betcast discussion but but nobody's asked i'm gonna try to capture moments while i'm there i'm gonna try to capture um big plays downfield from like the perspective of the team coming at me um you know so i'll try to get some of those tweets out edit some quick video um and tweet it out for for husker fans to see um you know because it'll be it'll be really interesting to watch the game from there but i think that hopefully next week when we do this show i'll be able to come back with some very um at least some interesting analysis of as far as like wow you know like yeah on tv you could see this whole here but like from my perspective you know the whole looked as wide as the new jersey parkway or something along those lines you know what i mean so it'll be it'll be i'm gonna try to see the game from a different perspective then the all 22, I guess, will be. The yeah, best. absolutely. Well, let's talk about some of the other, uh, maybe a couple of yeah, Big Ten matchups and anything else um, that we want to want to cover and then and get out of here. Um, with Honky back, we're back to our normal, you know, two-hour show. So 
Um, uh, Big Ten matchups. Uh, the Indiana team that we just took down by 14 is a 22-point dog to mm-hmm. uh, Michigan. They're at home, though, in Bloomington. Um, I think Michigan will cover this personally. I don't know. What do you think, guys? I do, too, yeah. but Michigan's, Michigan's also scared me. I, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but um, so I tried to have some fun this week and took all the favorites on Friday. I tried to take all the favorites in the morning games on Saturday and not a single favorite. I think only like one or two games may be covered on that whole thing as far as taking the favorites on the point spreads. Um, so, so that system was, didn't work for you, Robin. That system, I figured, hey, you know, the, the worst I could do is like three out of five or something, right? Like, you know, what, what are the odds? Well, the odds weren't very good in my favor that weekend. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time with spreads over like this, this big, um, especially, you know, and against Indiana, but I mean, based off of Nebraska winning by two scores against Indiana, um, you know, they're now three and two. Um, that'd be a tough one to, to take. I think I probably agree with you, but you know, that's, I'm, all I'm right. Well, like yeah. All right. Well, how about Ohio State, Michigan State? Another huge number, and now at twenty-five and a half. Uh, Ohio State will cover that in the first half. I'm not. <laughs> These are all road games. Yeah. Interesting, right? I just, yeah, I just, I just don't like Michigan State this year at all. They don't look very good at all. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. And all right, um, I'll throw out a couple more just interesting ones, and then uh, let you guys throw out your games. I'm, Colorado State is own four and trying to get off the snide here. They're actually three-point uh, dogs that Nevada team that you know that I think is horrible. I think Colorado State might be able to pull off their first victory even on the road. So I'll, 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 I don't know if I'll bet that, but I'm looking at it. That's Tennessee. A matchup. I wouldn't mess with that. Yeah, It is bad. You're right. Tennessee, LSU. Tennessee gets lucky here getting a noon game in Death Valley. They're not playing this at night. Uh, Tennessee's favored on the road at LSU. They're though. still drunk in Madden Rouge, Dave, so. Yeah, don't overthink that. Yeah. And then uh, TCU, KU. KU's getting a touchdown. That uh, one surprised points. me. That was, that was one of my uh, picks for the week to kind of take a look at. I, that's a sucker. I'm surprised bet. it's that big of a spread on that. I mean, yeah, that's a sucker. Does Vegas have no faith in Kansas, you. or they just that big on TCU? I, I, I think yeah. that, that would be one where I would seriously look at Kansas. I mean, they might Rob, not win, but keeping them within a touchdown seems well within their. What do you mean, sucker bet here? What do you? I mean, I don't know, man. Kansas feels like they're just riding all the momentum right now. I, I just feel like, I just feel like, you know, it's. I know TCU is ranked higher. You know, they're both undefeated. I just feel like TCU's offense looks pretty dynamic. They they do. They do. But I mean, I, I just, I'm afraid to bet against Kansas right now, and and I spent my entire career. So you're taking Kansas, is what you're saying? I would too, if I were to bet that game. Yeah, especially at home. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I kind of like with the the Nebraska head coaching job on the line. I mean, you know, (laughs) he is going to eventually lose a game. Um, Well, they will. Yeah, but man, it's. Kansas, Kansas in the national championship game. Yeah. Book it. The over is at sixty-seven and a half. I like which that. the thing. The only thing you can you can uh, dock Kansas for a little bit is that they do give up yards and points. Um, they do. I mean, and so I could see this game being pretty pretty high scoring. So um, might be worth looking at that. Last one I'll mention, um, and and I'd love to hear what your other thoughts are, is it is the Red River shootout, Texas, Oklahoma. Really interesting to see this number uh, opened up. I saw it around four 
in favor of, of Texas. Now it's up to a touchdown. Oklahoma is getting seven points. I know they looked bad last week. I get it. But Texas also had just lost to Texas Tech. I mean, like, I don't know. That's one of those, these teams are both in disarray, and I don't know how confident I'd feel with either of them at this point. I mean, I mean, you've had Oklahoma fans on message board geniuses talking about how he's there to personally sabotage Oklahoma to benefit Clemson, you know, with Venables there. And God, I'd, that's I don't great. know. That's, that's a weird game, and neither of those it's, teams have really impressed me. I mean, Texas had the game against Alabama where they looked good, but then – Disappointing sense in Oklahoma. Does anyone know when's the last time Texas beat Oklahoma? Yeah, and Oklahoma hasn't looked good since they played us. I mean, you you don't play a Mickey Joseph team in Lincoln and escape unscathed for a long time. So I mean, <laughs> it's been a challenge for them. So I, yeah, I have no idea what to make of that game. So yeah, right. Any, anything else? Anything else on your board, guys? Well, yeah, Maryland. Oh, Maryland yeah, favorite over Purdue right now. That, that was what I was looking at. Frankly, I'd take Maryland on that because you can get that at three right now. Maryland has actually looked pretty good this year. They, for a nice team that struggles to, yeah, they they have a really hard road to hoe. I mean, they've looked pretty good, and I, I might take Maryland at that, especially if you can get it like two and a half if it ever drips down that way. If you get mm-hmm. Maryland by a field goal, that might be an excellent pick. Rob, you thinking the same thing? I was. I. I it's weird because I've never like picked Maryland to do anything. I mean, no, it's crab one, cakes and football. You know, yeah, crab, 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 crab cakes and basketball. I and and you know what? We'll go off the old. I've actually been to the old Maryland Fieldhouse to see a basketball game against Duke. Back. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, I'm gonna just stick with my roots here. And and uh, Marcy Miller uh, from Sonoma. Well, she actually went to Maryland, but an old friend of mine through a friend at, at Sonoma State. Um, you know, Marcy, if you're listening, I'm taking your Terps to to beat Purdue. You know. All right. Yeah. It's personal for Rob. It is. Uh, all right. Other uh, matchups. I'll just throw out here just a note. Big games. Um, We've got, uh, let's see, Kansas State, Iowa State. Uh, so, Clemson versus Campbell. BYU, Notre Dame in Las Vegas, playing at the Death Star, Rob. Um, you also got Texas A&M and Bama. This was supposed to be a, a big matchup, marquee matchup. Um, it is an, a night game on CBS. Uh, but uh, A&M getting 24 points going into to, um Tuscaloosa. Um, yeah, I have no feeling yeah, Aggies on that either. That's the worst part about it. So Man. Illinois and Iowa is this week, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and in that's, Illinois' favor. Yeah, it's intriguing. Illinois, Illinois might be your favorite, West yeah. favorite if you took everything yeah. into account right now. So that'll be interesting to see. So, yeah. yeah, another one I wanted to see if there was going to be any line movement uh, was Wisconsin-Northwestern. You know, you see the firing, and then a lot of times you see a, a line move there. But it's really just stuck at nine and a half, maybe ten, um, and it just really hasn't moved at all. And it's just like that's a painful game, I mean, Dave. Yeah. That's a horrible game. My goodness, I, I have no idea what to expect out of that. That's there's a lot of awfulness there. Yeah, yeah, but Iowa, Illinois, uh, you know, that could be interesting. All right, guys. Um, yeah, well, I, I hope that um, our our best bets are uh, better, and I'm I'm happy to potentially add more to 
till our best bets sheet if we think we can increase our odds by by just by raw quantity. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here with some parting shots. And I will throw it over to Redcast Rob first. Well, of course, you're going to throw it over to me. Well, hey, Redcasters, I would say uh, right now I'm sitting at about 721 followers on Twitter. So those will be 721 people that will be getting some fresh, clean um, views of the Rutger Nebraska game live from Piscataway. Um, I've been practicing saying that for two weeks now, piss cat away. And, um, you know, I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to try to get there early. I'm taking some some tips from some journalism people telling me some ways that I should be covering this and the ways that I should be doing it. Hopefully I take those tips to heart because I'm going to try to put out some great video for you guys while the rest of the Redcast covers the game uh, live on Twitter as well. So looking forward to it and um, hopefully it comes away with my first Husker victory in person while I am, cause I won't be there rooting as a fan. Maybe that's the secret. We don't Maybe. know. We're going to find out. All right, Boomer, get us out of here. Well, I don't have a whole lot different. Uh, first off, I do want to you know just piggyback off hockey with uh, the passing Mark Pelini. Just, just people, please be careful out there. Just <clears throat> careful with driving. It, it's horrible to see you know things like that happen. And and just our condolences go out to the entire Pelini extended family on that. And uh, Rob, just uh, represent the Redcast well out in New Jersey. Uh, I highly doubt you'd get us expelled from Piscataway, but if anyone would, that would probably be you. So let's just uh, go with that. Uh, Ouch. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah, Rob. So I, it, it it probably is. Yeah. I mean, just because you're not wrong doesn't mean you have to say it out loud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I may or may not have gotten a very confused email from Nebraska administration today asking why they had my press pass in hand. So <laughs> <laughs> we've confused Nebraska a lot, Rob. So yeah. no worries. All right. That's, okay. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Uh fun show. A lot of good football talk there. Hopefully we get some uh, of our bets to hit this week. For now, let's call that a Go Big Red cast. Go Big Red. A Huda Media Production.